You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nod of the Scribe, at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Underrated win against the Suns last night. One we could have bashed them for had they not taken care of it. So I'll give them some credit that they were able to go to Phoenix second night of a back-to-back, and eventually get that win. Now, it's one, again, we would have bashed them, and deservedly so, had they lost. They need every single win they can possibly get. But underrated, given the context of it being a six-game road trip, given the context that they are awful on the road for them, (laughs) given the context that they're not very good against teams that are the bottom dwellers in the NBA, for them, for this... A pretty decent win last night. Phoenix is a bad basketball team. They're very inexperienced. So even if the line was like one and a half points on a second night of a back-to-back after playing in Denver with the high altitude, you needed this win. You could have made excuses for Charlotte had they lost, but it would have been a bad loss, especially if you put it in the confines, again, of the six-game road trip. Now let's backtrack to Denver for a second. The Hornets played them on Saturday. They put up a good fight, but Denver pulled away late in large part to Nikola Jokic's performance. Bismack Biombo played some good basketball defensively. I I thought there were times he made things hard on Jokic early. You could see the team come down and help him as well, trying to defend Jokic, but then Nikola erupted for 39 points, and this after really about a five-quarter stretch against Charlotte, where Jokic really struggled to score against the Hornets. The last four quarters being the game that they played here at the Spectrum Center. It didn't seem like Nikola Jokic really got going a whole lot. And we talked about that revenge factor possibly being something as the benefit for Denver. And then that first quarter, again, I think he starts off three and eight against the Charlotte Hornets. So a pretty decent stretch. And then the last three quarters happened against Denver and Jokic again erupted for 39 points. Um, You saw Hernan Gomez struggle again. I think in that particular game against the Denver Nuggets, that was two games in a row at that point. That was after Borrego called out Billy saying, we need more from him. And when he was asking that press conference after the Dallas Mavericks blowout, Borrego said, I don't want to evaluate Billy until I get a chance to watch the film and really dissect it. But we need more from Billy. (laughs) That's the bottom line. So he called him out. After he said he didn't really want to call him out. And then so you look at this Denver game. And Billy Hernan Gomez didn't play well against Denver. Hernan Gomez only got you 10 points. But was 3 of 7 from the field. Only played 16 minutes. Only 5 rebounds. And again, you heard the Jokic stats. 16 of 29. You know, I mean, it's tough to ask Billy to stop Jokic. One of the best players in the league. I get it. But it's not like he performed all that well against Denver. And I'll be honest, I wondered how much he we would see from Billy against Phoenix because of the past two performances. But he played well offensively last night, so good job to Billy. You saw Billy get 19 points. That was a good bounce-back game. Again, it's against Phoenix. Now, you are going up against DeAndre Ayton. I don't think he's a defensive powerhouse yet. Takes a while for those big guys to learn defense in the NBA. Now, DeAndre playing better and you know I, I love DeAndre I can't wait to see what he becomes he is having a very good having a very good rookie season 
But again, Billy, he deserves credit for what he did offensively last night. I'm here to give it to him. And you just, again, going back to that Denver game as, as we're trying to recap what happened there on Saturday, Denver's just deep, man. Isn't that nice to have that much depth? And this is all without Will Barton, what they're doing, by the way, who was one of their better scorers last season. You look at that roster, and every single name you come across, it's just a dude that can play. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot of star power to its name on, on any of the guys you go down the list besides Jokic, but the dudes can just play. They're so deep. How about Torrey Craig? He got the start for them on Saturday. He got them 12 points. Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, they came off the bench for them to combine for 35 points. Now, both guys were coming off some injuries. They've been injured here recently, so that's in large part why they came off the bench, but still. I mean, you had some capable guys starting for you. And the five games that Malik Beasley had previously played before the Charlotte game on Saturday, Beasley was averaging 17.5 points. Monte Morris, we've talked about on this show before. Assist to turnover ratio, it's a sexy stat. Chicks dig assist to turnover ratio. He's so good. Listener Andrew wrote a rap about him. Appreciate that, Andrew. Love a good assist to turnover ratio rap. You know, a few things that jumped out to me at the end of this game, besides just the roster, besides their bench performing well, just skimming that roster and seeing how good it is. A couple of things that pointed that I pointed out after the game was over was seeing the points in the paint, how much Denver outscored Charlotte. Denver scored 64 to Charlotte's 48 points in the paint. A lot of that for Jokic, a lot of that guy's just driving in, but 64 to 48, that's going to help you win a ball game. And the Hornets had double the turnovers that the Nuggets had. Charlotte had 17 to Denver's 8. I think we all expected a loss in Denver. I don't think anybody expected the Hornets to come out with a victory in that one. But they played pretty well. The Hornets played all right, (laughs) given the circumstances that we had just come off of a blowout against Dallas, heading to Denver who has a fantastic home record, who is sitting on top of the Western Conference, number one overall. You could have seen that going very differently. They did lose by 13, but the 13-point deficit, I don't think it told the whole story about how the game played out. You look at the first three quarters, the Hornets are right there, and it just seemed like the Hornets kind of ran out of gas. I think we all expected that loss, and we expected worse, probably. But at least they got the win against Phoenix last night, that they so desperately needed on this road trip. And you have Phoenix. Again, you look at the rest of their schedule on this road trip. I know we'll go over it again as we keep going down what they have to do in the Western Conference, in the Western part of the United States. They've got the Clippers tomorrow night. And after they play them, they won't play again until Friday when they play the Portland Trailblazers. Then it's the Sacramento Kings. Then it's San Antonio. Phoenix was the weakest link a part of this six-game road trip. And if you were going to get one win, you would probably put your money, even if it was on the second night of a back-to-back, I would imagine most people would have put their money on Phoenix. I know that's what I thought was the best chance for the Hornets to get a victory. And they got it. And so in a season where there's a lot of doom and gloom, you know, we've had our ups. And the Hornets have won some tough games. We've got Milwaukee. We've got the first Boston game. We've got Denver. You know, we've got some games that have proven that the Charlotte Hornets can be better than what they've demonstrated against some other teams, specifically the bottom dwellers. So we have our moments, but 
especially after that Dallas Mavericks loss. And that just put a huge dark cloud over Spectrum Center. It just did not look good at all. I don't think anybody was ready for this road trip. And so I'm not feeling good. I'm not skipping into the studio this morning. I'm not saying six seed all over again. I'm not seeing that. But I do think that at least they got a victory. That's to the point where I was. I just did not want to come back from this road trip 0-6. And now they got that win against Phoenix. Oh, maybe, just maybe, can you do something against the Clippers, Portland, or Sacramento? Probably, you would say, the most likely wins. And Sacramento is probably the team you're going with. Again, it's the second night of a back-to-back, and Sacramento has been different than what we've seen from them in recent years, really since the early 2000s. But I would imagine that's the team that you would go with as the second most likely team for the Hornets to get a victory. Like if you go two and four, I think I take that. If you go three and three, I think that's a win. I think a lot of people would consider, hey, that's a decent road trip. I expected carnage. At least we got back with a 500 record. So you lose to Denver. You lose by 13. Don't think that score really tells the story of what happened in that game. They pulled away early, or they pulled away late, I should say. But Phoenix... That was an extremely close game. We're right down the Phoenix game. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll discuss that a little bit more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you. We need you to show your support. Supported by joining our Patreon page for just as little as $1 a month. Y'all, all you need is $1 and you can sign up. Very easy. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on from us here. Myself, Nada, and Doug, we always appreciate it when you guys sign up for Patreon. That's patreon.com slash LOH. Again, patreon.com slash LOH. And you will not regret it. It's awesome. And we appreciate you guys for doing so. Again, just $1, not a whole lot of money at all. So we appreciate it. And stick around after the break. We'll talk about that Phoenix Suns game and what we can expect maybe from the Hornets going forward and a lot of other stuff here. Again, it's the Lockdown Hornets on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Still a lot of mistakes to correct here for the Charlotte Hornets. It was a good win against Phoenix, which I wouldn't say was a crazy ending, but I'll tell you what I thought was so weird. Watching the Charlotte Hornets have that lead at the end of that game, it's weird because you're not in that situation a ton. in, In a close game, you don't expect the Charlotte Hornets to have that lead or at least have possession and the lead a whole lot. I found it weird that we were running out trying to dribble the basketball without having anybody foul us. I just don't remember that ever happening a whole lot. <laughs> I can't I can't remember the last time that happened. You know, against Detroit, that was a close game that we had. But Detroit, you know, we needed to score a bucket to win that game. You know, that was a close game that the Charlotte Hornets played. But you look recently, you know, Denver didn't come down to the wire. Dallas certainly didn't come down to the wire. Orlando, they creamed them. 
You know, Washington, the Hornets were down and had to keep putting shots up. They beat Brooklyn by 13. You know, they lost to Brooklyn, so they had to keep getting shots up. I mean, again, it it just speaks to the one possession down to the wire type of games that the Charlotte Hornets have played this season. You know, I can go back again all the way to December 12th when Jeremy Lamb hits that game winner. You know, that was a close game, but it's not like you're dribbling out the clock. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I just thought it was really weird to see them dribble out the clock. It's just, yeah, this is a play that you're going to see probably once every three games or so. I don't know what the metric would be, but I I would imagine that you see it way more often than we do as Hornets fans. And it was weird. It, w- it was nice. It was nice seeing Kimbo run away from all the defenders, try to dribble out the time. And how about Kimba throwing up that nonsense three-pointer at the end? What I love about that is mostly guys will wait just a half a second short of putting up that ball in the air, even when you're changing quarters, when those points could really help you, all to save their field goal percentage. I mean, I I love Wob, Worldwide Wob. We all love him. It's a great Twitter follow for the NBA fans out there. He likes to discuss. (laughs) He likes to put those videos out there of guys holding on maybe just a half a second late when they obviously could have got a shot attempt up before the buzzer sounds. You know, Kimba actually gets that ball off in time from close to half court and drains it. And the one thing about it is it's going to help Kimba Walker's field goal percentage as he goes 9 of 20. And also it helps his three-point percentage. It was the second three-pointer of the game. But the one thing it does is it takes away a positive tally in the one-possession stat games. (laughs) So now it can't technically be called a one-possession game. And now you can't technically say that the Hornets won a close one-possession game. Turned out to be two. Because Kimba put that three-point shot up. That was crazy. I don't know why. Maybe I made a lot more of that than everybody else did. But I just thought it was weird all around. Hey, we're actually dribbling out the ball. People want the ball from us. We're not trying to score here soon. That's fantastic. I would like to see more from that. And I would also like to see more of Billy Hernan Gomez contributing the way that he did. 8 of 12 from the field for him. Offensively did play well. Got to the free throw line seven times. I did not like the free throw percentage. He only goes three of seven there. But giving you nine rebounds, I mean, that's what a big guy is supposed to do, certainly offensively. Had a positive plus minus. You know, it's the second time that Billy Hernan Gomez has scored 19 points this season. It is a season high. Tied a season high against the Phoenix Suns last night. The other time was against Boston, but a lot of that was garbage time. It was the loss to Boston. So Billy actually having all of these 19 points count, by the way. I mean, this was a close game, and all 19 of them, they were needed. And in a night where Bismack Biombo only hit a couple of field goals and went to the free throw line just three times, I actually like the way that Bismack has played the last couple of games. I mean, really in that Denver game, just thought he was active. I, I like the activity. You know, he's not as polished as Cody. He's not as polished as Billy, certainly offensively. But defensively, he's active. Offensively, he was dunking the ball. You know, it's fun to see that. Like, even as athletic as Cody is, Bismack will go up there and dunk it with two hands on you. I'm not trying to take anything away from Cody's athleticism. I just feel like we don't see it as much. Maybe I'm wrong. But Bismack is out here dunking it, which is fun to see. Devontae Graham, it was against the Denver Nuggets. Devontae Graham had a really nice pass down low to Bismack on a roll. And Bismack slams it home with two hands. That's the kind of stuff I like to see. 
And that's just entertaining basketball. But Bismack, I thought, for the most part, I mean, with him being a healthy, an inactive guy, healthy, to contribute the way he's done, you know what? Okay. I think you take it. But Billy really stepped up last night against Phoenix. And yes, it is against Phoenix. But at least he showed you something to where maybe against the Clippers, you can rely on him a little bit more. So that was good to see from Billy. Tony Parker, and the Charlotte Hornets don't have the wins they have without Tony. It's amazing. You know, 9 of 16 from the field last night. He scores 20 points. And <laughs> Tony was supposed to be out of the league here soon. You know Nada and I have discussed feeling a little bit worried about relying on Tony Parker so long. I mean, he's an older point guard, and we've been a little bit worried on relying on him, but at least he's giving you these things consistently. I mean, it's not like Tony is going through stretches where he'll be good and stretches where he'll be bad. I mean, maybe there was a couple of games here and there where he wasn't all that impactful. But for the most part, Tony Tony giving you 20? And he's been, he's been huge. And in the fourth quarter, too. I mean, in the fourth quarter, Tony Parker needs to be on the floor. And that's a problem overall when you think about it, that you need that guy to be out on the floor in the fourth quarter. But it is somebody that has contributed so well. Not to mention the only not to only mention the 20 points, but the six assists, getting other guys involved, making the smart play, you know, getting to the paint. I mean, this is old Tony Parker we're seeing. He's given you peeks into the time portal that was San Antonio Tony Parker, and man, did they need it. Dare I say, by the way, that the Hornets have two competent backup point guards now? The Hornets haven't had a backup point guard one. Singular. They have not had one really competent backup point guard for the last couple of seasons, and now they just might have two. Now, I'm not saying Devontae Graham is somebody that you're going to right now, after what we've seen, I'm not saying that's a guy that you can rely on every single time he goes out there, but Devontae, second-round pick, you guys know my love for him, but he's kind of answering it. And two of four from the field and hit both of his three-pointers against Phoenix, one of the free-throw line, hit both of those. You know, he gets you eight points, gave you three assists, and Borrego's trusting him. You know, 21 minutes from Graham last night. You look at his game log and how many minutes that he's accumulated over the last few games that Devontae has had to step up. 21 minutes against Phoenix, 26 against Denver, 34 against Dallas, which you can probably throw out because of the blowout. But 24 and 22 against Orlando and Washington. By the way, that's down the stretch against Washington too. Right out of the gate, Devontae Graham getting trusted to finish games. And he's played over 20 minutes every single game since. I'm interested to see what Devontae Graham's involvement is going to be when Jeremy Lamb comes out. Still missing him. You know, Eric Collins said on the broadcast last night for Phoenix that he himself asked Jeremy Lamb about his injury and when he could expect to be back. Jeremy Lamb didn't say anything. No surprise there. So we don't have any clue as of yet. He was doubtful for that Dallas game. You thought maybe... There was an outside shot. He could play against Denver. Didn't. Didn't play against Phoenix. You know, maybe maybe Friday is the realistic time frame for him to come back. Friday is when they're going to play the Portland Trailblazers. They play the Los Angeles Clippers tomorrow night. So I'm not saying this is all speculation, just giving the timetable. So let's say that, you know, you play back-to-back, then you rest on Monday. You have this game tomorrow, Tuesday, against the Clippers on the road. Then you have a couple days rest before you have to go play Portland. It just seems like maybe Jeremy Lamb would be ready to go at that point. 
if he was doubtful and he's been a decision right up till game time and we've known pretty early when if he was going to go or not but it's been the day of a game where we've decided that Jeremy Lamb is not going to play so maybe he does play Friday but maybe also maybe Friday is the time that we look just to see how James Borrego decides to rotate these players with Jeremy Lamb back in the mix Devontae Graham and Malik Monk and I know people were worried about Malik Monk we've addressed that a couple of times you know I think there are plenty of reasons to be concerned about Malik Monk you know, I, I don't know if Devontae Graham starting over Malik is one of those things. Not a great game for Malik last night. 16 minutes, 2 of 8 from the field, did hit a 3-point shot. But you, you've gotten some good ones. You know, against Denver, he goes 6 of 11. That was meaningful basketball he was playing. Hit a couple of 3-point shots. That dunk, oh my God. That dunk was just nasty. I mean, I'm putting that up with at least some of the Miles Bridges dunks that we've gotten so far. I mean, Malik Monk is crazy athletic. Love seeing a Malik Monk dunk. Love seeing the Monk dunks. I hope we get some more of those, but you've seen some decent games. You know, only five minutes against Dallas because he got hurt. So again, coming back against Denver the very next game and putting up 22 minutes and putting up 16 points, that's got to be encouraging for you. So we'll see about Malik Monk. We'll see about Devontae Graham. We'll see about Jeremy Lamb as well. All of those guys. I'm interested to see how James Bragg was going to do it because he's been a madman with these rotations. You never know what you're going to get. And when you throw an injury there, you can especially expect a shakeup in the rotation. Coming to you from the 7.30, the game ESPN Charlotte Essex home studios. So we appreciate them for housing us here again today. But of course, we always give a shout out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and you need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. Our boy, our friend of the podcast, kind of just a friend because we use his studios. But Jeffrey Gittimer putting Doug and Nada very hard at work today. Obviously, you guys understood that I was going to be going at this solo, and Doug and Nada very hard at work for Jeffrey Gittimer, doing some great things with the Seller Die podcast. Make sure you subscribe, by the way, to the Seller Die podcast. It's great stuff. You can listen to Jen Gluckow and Jeffrey Gittimer. It's awesome stuff if you're in sales. And again, you need help you can go to their podcast, and they always put out some really fantastic content. They get guests every week. It's always fun listening to the business side of things with Sell or Die. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think not is just going to jump You are the gazelle it. limping through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. Yeah. I'm in I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas or by Nada's <laughs> by Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. of grab bag things I want to get to before we end the show today just as I came in to the last segment with saying that the Hornets still have some things they need to correct defense one of the bigger things that I was looking at here's a stat for you six of their last eight quarters the Hornets have allowed the opposing team to score 30 points that's including that victory that they just had against the Phoenix Suns so you had one quarter against the Nuggets where they held Denver under 30 points and he had one quarter against Phoenix 
where you held them under 30 points. That's awful. I don't think I need to tell you guys that. Teams are scoring 30 consistently in a quarter against the Charlotte Hornets. And remember, 30 is the number I'm going with here. One, because it's just a good old wholesome round number. But also, that's the number that James Borrego threw out there when he was discussing why Malik Monk wasn't getting many minutes. He didn't directly say it was because Malik Monk is out on the floor. But it seemed like that was the name that he was referring to when he said, I'm tired of giving up 30-point quarters. Now, that's not what we're about. Well, the last two games, you've seen the Hornets give up 30-point quarters consistently. So on the road, we know that this team does not play defense very well. You're hoping maybe that they can fix that against the Clippers. You're hoping that the Hornets don't lose to the city of L.A. rather than just the Clippers themselves. Now, it's not the second night of a back-to-back, so maybe you can party one night and recuperate the other. You're at least hoping so. A couple of miscellaneous topics I want to get to. Just real quickly, Rick Bennell tweeting out a subplot of this game that you have against the Clippers. They will be going up against Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's the original draft pick of the Charlotte Hornets. So it'll be their first time going up against SGA. Remember, they drafted Shea Gilgis-Alexander. It looked like that was going to be the pick for the Charlotte Hornets. And then we get news to break. I don't know. It seems like just a couple minutes after they make that selection that they're going to be sending it to the Los Angeles Clippers. And in return, you'll get their pick, which is just a pick later, and also, I believe, a second-round draft pick. So SGA was drafted by the Hornets, had the awesome draft night outfit, by the way, but they send SGA to the Clippers. SGA refused to work out with the Hornets. He also didn't work out with a lot of other teams. Seems like he wanted to control which team he was going to get drafted by. But instead, the Hornets end up with Miles Bridges and the Clippers end up with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and they also draft Jerome Robinson. Which Jerome Robinson, by the way, doesn't look like a great pick, but I don't want to get off on a tangent. You had two in a row and then you decide Jerome Robinson after Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And just to get back on page here with the Hornets, and you guys remember my love for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's having a very good rookie season. Very good. But so is Miles Bridges. So as much as I did not like that pick at the time and as much as I still really like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I can't say I'm displeased with what Miles Bridges has given you. And just a quick stat that Basketball Reference is throwing out there. Basketball Reference showing all of the percentages of the teams that could get into the playoffs. You know, you have the Raptors and the Bucks at 100%, the Pacers at 100%, all the teams that you would expect to be at 100% in the Eastern Conference. And then the next team right after that, it's the Charlotte Hornets at 82% which is very high in my opinion. If you were to ask me without giving me that study, without giving me what basketball reference has to say, if you were to ask me, I'd still probably say 50-50. I understand that the Eastern Conference is pretty bad, especially with the teams that the Hornets are going to be competing with. I understand they have the tiebreaker right now, at least against Miami and forever, for the season at least, against the Detroit Pistons. But still, it just feels like a 50-50 shot to me. And basketball reference coming out with 82%. They've already played a ton of home games. We all know about this road trip that we've talked about so much. We all know about all the road games that they have left on the season. So 82%, I think that's something positive that you can go into the second half of the season with. Now, at least basketball reference says so. I know 538 likes their chances as well. I think they gave them 
above a 60, if I'm not mistaken. Last time I checked on 538. So it does look like that the Hornets are going to make it if you are a percentage guy. If you're somebody that likes to look into those numbers, then that's something that has to leave you smiling. Problem is, is we know that the numbers sometimes do not apply to the Charlotte Hornets. The numbers suggest that the Hornets should be better than what they are. <laughs> and it just hasn't worked out that way. Really for the last two seasons, this season included. Look at the analytics, the point differential, the point margin. I mean, it seems like the Hornets should be better than what they are the last couple of seasons, but they haven't been. So hopefully basketball reference is right. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here again today. We thank you every day for listening to the podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll see if Nada and Doug will join us back tomorrow. Got the Clippers. In L.A., hopefully we can get a dub here with the Hornets. And thanks again to you for listening, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.